Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mountain View Chapel Live on Sunday morning. Um, Joan, Jessica, um, Bobby, we've got a whole list of people that we've seen your names. Good morning. Hello for all of you that I didn't mention your name. I'm so glad that you're with us. Um, we are super excited. Um, worship team practiced last night, and we are uh, preparing for next Sunday morning, the 24th. Um, got a little reminder there. It's on the website. We'll be having uh, just a reminder sent out that we're going to be at Lazy Creek Farm, which is actually on Willis Road. Uh, we'll have signs. We'll have a banner out there so that you won't get lost. You'll know exactly where we're going to be. Um, we are going to do an FM broadcast. We're going to be on a hay wagon, having a great time in, in the vehicle drive-up service. This will be the first one for us. And we're hoping we may have to do several of these. We're hoping to have some transition and try to figure things out before we're able to formally get back together. And just a reminder that the first service that we have in the barn when we're able to get back together is going to be a resurrection celebration. We're going to be celebrating the beauty and the glory and the power of Easter together on our very first service back. So we're super excited about that. And parents, for those of you parents and grandparents, uh, reach out to us. I was talking to the Stelges family. Uh, we would still like to do the Easter egg hunt at our house if that's something that everybody would like to participate in. Uh, we did that last year. The Stelges family has taken that on, and it is just a fun, wonderful time to be together. Um, so give me a text. Uh, give me an email. Let me know. Uh, parent, grandparent, whatever you think about, give me your imp input on us having an Easter egg hunt uh, when we're able to get back together and do that, um, as well as being able to meet on Sunday morning. So miss you guys. Uh, Lori and I, our whole family, we talk about how much we just miss the, the body of Christ being able to be together and um, just worship together and sing praises together and pray together. And it's been awesome. The, um, the individual meetings, the, the um, small group things that we've been able to participate in, but there's just something about God's people getting together corporately um, that makes a huge difference. All right, let's jump into our study this morning. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to just, I want us to rem remember, I, I, we're going to be remembering and learning from children this morning. Um, now, I just wanted you to know that it, it's just it's just neat the the, transcend, the way that Scripture transcends uh, throughout time and just amazing the principles um, of the Word of God. I was, I was reading a, a sermon by uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon um, from Luke chapter 18 and verse 17, but Charles Spurgeon on October 20th, 1878 at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in Newington, which is London, London England, um, he was expounding... Um, on some perspectives of children in the church, and it appears that, um, you know, the things that he was talking about, there's always been uh, this sentiment by some that children are important, but not necessarily super important until they get to an age of mature understanding and investment. And uh, you can see that this sermon I printed out, he had a lot to say about Luke chapter 18 and verse 17, but I was so blessed by Charles Spurgeon, and just him being able to share that even back then, there were people that um, had a perspective in it, and it's still present today. And you're going to see that this same perspective was, was present during the times when Jesus walked the earth, that children matter, but not so much until they can really begin to be engaged in adult things. Now, what I do want to say is that I, I have a concern 
And this is a regular concern of a, of a, a concern that in our current culture, that our current cu- culture has swung to the other extreme where a toddler is now considered an independent person who is autonomous regarding their feelings and their decisions. Do you see, do you see how that we have these tendencies to go from one extreme, like children don't matter, and then all of a sudden we swing to this other extreme where now a toddler is going to make all the decisions based on how they feel. And I just want to say this. I don't have to be a research scientist, and I don't have to be published to see the reality that what has happened over the last 10 or 15 years is that children are having, young people are having more um, emotional and mental struggles when it comes to anxiety and depression and just being uh, having troubles with sadness because so many of these children don't feel this sense of security. They don't feel this sense of calm because they are the pressure of it's always got to be about their feelings, their decisions. And even though that presents itself as this independent, autonomous lifestyle and there's freedom in that, there's not. It's the reverse thing. Think about this. Why is there such a push for socialism in our current young culture? Because I think that there's been something that's been lost. And so there's this weird backlash of looking for this identity in the government providing that identity because there's this sense of that there's this lost security. So there's so many different things and so many different perspectives on children. And yet there's so much in the scripture and we need to have a balanced approach. And for those of you, if you've been around me for any length of time, You've probably seen or you know that I love children and and young people. Lori and I, uh, we've given ourselves to investing in children and young people since we started dating in college. We operate a Christian uh, Christian camp and conference center for 13 years, and we've been assisting with a youth group recently since little Charlie made his presence uh, known into the Boone family. And there again, helping out with the young people again, it's been invigorating for Lori and I. Their faith and their energy they're, it's, they're inspiring to Lori and I. Well, I care about children. I, I love children. I, I've wanted to be the kind of pastor that a little baby can walk up to me during the service, and I don't look down on that child. I realize we celebrate the fact that these are children. God uses them. They're examples of faith. And that's what we're going to do this morning as we study the words of Jesus. We're going to look. We're going we're gonna to be remembering and learning from children and what Jesus says about them and as we study things. And I, I just want to um, say this morning, that it is a privilege. It is a privilege to serve and work alongside our church family. And I love our children. I'm so proud of the children in our church family. I'm so proud of the youth in our church family. I'm so proud of the young people that are part of other church families that are connected with our youth group. And we can just celebrate the body of Christ I'm so proud of our college students and just young families with children. Such a privilege to partner and to walk alongside. And so let me invite your attention to Luke, I mean, Mark chapter 10. We're going to go to Luke 18 after that. But Mark chapter 10, I want to read this. And if you want to just write down next to Mark chapter 10, Matthew chapter 19, uh, 13 through 15. Um, That's another uh, portion, Matthew, Mark. And Luke, where this story is mentioned, we're going to start reading in verse 13 here. Um, 
Mark chapter 10. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. And can I just point out what's really beautiful here is nothing's really changed. Um, so many denominations, they have different uh, processes and rituals for wanting to include children spiritually. And it's no different back then during the Bible times when Jesus walked. People, I'm sure that there were some grandparents, some parents brought the children that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuke those who brought them. The disciples rebuked those who brought their children. But when Jesus saw it, look at this. He was greatly, greatly displeased. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms. He laid his hands on them. And he blessed them. Wow. So let's just read the same thing in Luke chapter 18, verse 31 and 34. And I just want you to see it's very similar. A couple little different nuances here. Um, Luke chapter 18 Verse 31 through 34. Did I write the right ones? Okay. That's great. I wrote down the wrong scripture this morning. <laughs> okay, that's good. Let's go to 15. I gave Chris 31 through 34. Tyler, that's all on me, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hey, it's just like being at the barn. <laughs> That's my bad. Uh, I have 31 through um, 34 circle because that's powerful, but that was for another, another thought. All right, 15, verse 15. Sorry about that. Then they also brought infants to him, little children, infants to him that they might touch him. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. That's some pretty strong language. Pretty strong language starts out with the disciples and that they, they rebuke them. And then Jesus makes some very strong statements here. And um, I just want to say that um, if you think about what was actually going on during that period of time um, with the the rabbis, the teachers, the different people. Rabbis were super important people, and they had a job to do. They were teaching people the ways of God, and they were very well respected. Um, and it was a big deal. Big deal. And think about it. It was one of those situations where they weren't going to be like distracted by the trivial things. Like these children, that's not important. Like, come on now, this is not that big a deal. And you can see that, that to a certain degree, with everything that was going on, the circumstances, the social situation, the pol political envi environment, is the children seemed insignificant at that point. You know, they weren't at that point where they were studying in the synagogue, and they probably weren't going to be able to understand what was going on. And 
you know, things have changed in America, but you can see in our current culture, people would say like, hey, Jesus isn't a children's pastor. That's for somebody else. You know, send the kids somewhere else. So think about what had just happened in Luke chapter 18. A self-righteous person viewed by the masses as religious who thought that he knew what was right with God because he appeared to follow all the right rules. And then there a person there was a person who was publicly despised as a cheat and a liar, and he knew that he didn't live up to God's experiences. These are some of the stories, these are some of the experiences that were, that were happened leading up to this. But I want you to remember that many that were following Jesus, many were following Jesus for spiritual and religious reasons, but while some of them were following him for purely political reasons. They thought that he was going to be the leader of the nation, that he was going to lead an uprising over the Roman Empire. But regardless of that situation, there was a, a, a group that obviously thought that it was not the right time and that children didn't fit in to all these higher-level, bigger, political, socioeconomic, religious teaching situations. What are you doing bringing the infants and the children? I want to say this. Our Lord God, Jesus of Nazareth, was teaching a life of faith that exhibits its presence by obedient living. Think about that. Faith that exhibits itself with obedient living. This was evident in the Old Covenant as well as the New Covenant that he was proclaiming. Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 3. And then verse 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It seems so easy for us to hear these truths, and yet we complicate or overlook the simple application. Think about this. There's, and there's, there's deep discussions about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and yet the Old Covenant was still about faith. And when you read Hebrews chapter 11, the majority of those people that we're reading about were under the Old Covenant, and it was about God responding to people's faith. And yet, when we see these things, it's easy to hear these truths, and yet in the process of application, we either complicate or overlook this simple application. His reference to children in his teaching seems to point out this human struggle. So, I want to read something to you by a professor of New Testament at the University of Zurich. I love this. But this is a reason why children, why they are blessed. Just because they, the little children, have nothing to show for themselves. Now I want you to think about the gravity of what he's saying in these statements. They have nothing to show for themselves. They cannot count on any achievements of their own. Their hands are empty like those of a beggar. Jesus enlarges the promise to include everyone with an authority such as only God can claim. He promises a kingdom to those whose faith 
resemble, resembles the empty hand of a beggar. Such faith is possible because they have no achievements of their own. Their hands are empty like those of a beggar. Jesus enlarges the promise to include everyone. With an authority, he, he promises the kingdom of God to those whose faith resembles did I just repeat that twice? Man, I'm on a roll this morning. It's, maybe I'm just supposed to say it twice. So think about this. What he says in this simple statement and proclamation is part of the beauty of what Jesus is trying to get our attention with this morning. Is that like a little child, a little child doesn't have bragging rights. A child doesn't have accomplishments. They don't understand pedigree. They don't understand power. They don't understand privilege like an adult does. They can't boast of their great works. They can't boast of their educational achievements or the neighborhood that they grew up in. They're a little child. And like what he's saying, like with a beggar with an open hand, that to this point in their life, they haven't clung on to anything or present anything. I just want to throw some things up real quick, and I want you to consider with me the reality of a child and what we can learn today for our faith journey with our Lord and Savior. I just want to throw up some things real quick. I want to give you some things. First, a child is naturally vulnerable to the elements around them. I, I think that it's timely too uh, because I feel like that there's been a real reevaluation of vulnerability in our lives over the last multiple weeks. But I just want you to consider this morning that a child is naturally vulnerable to the elements around them. Next thing, secondly, a child cannot survive without relying on those around them. Hmm. There's a reliance there. Thirdly, a child's trust, I want you to think about this, is not a virtue, but it's a functional reality. A child's trust, it's not a virtue, it's a functional reality. And lastly, I want you to just consider the reality of a child. A child lives with absolute dependence. A child lives with absolute dependence on someone else. Now, we've been using the term desperate dependence recently to d discuss or as a, as, a, as a phrase for our prayer and communication dependence on our Lord, on our pursuit of our Lord. So we've been talking about desperate dependence but with a child, there's absolute dependence on someone else. Now, I want to just mention this as a side note for personal study. Um, this is just something to think about, and we talk about this regularly with Victory 127 and some of the other things that we do to help around the world and in our own backyard. But Jesus and the New Testament writers discuss, and I'll say the least of these, those who seem to matter very little in the big scheme of political and social life. Those who seem to have neither power or prestige, they're often overlooked, taken advantage of, and or abused. 
Treating the defenseless in whatever manner has consistently been portrayed as a sense of power. All throughout human history, cultures that reject the God of the Bible can easily abuse, mistreat, and murder the defenseless of a society, namely the children. Even if you study the Old Testament, and, and it's still today, if you look at child trafficking, if you look at all the different things that take place, when a society moves away from the God of the Bible, when they move away from faith in Yahweh Elohim, the one true God, the first line of abuse is usually children and the defenseless. And so the scripture teaches that if you want to understand and grow in communion with Jesus, one of the things that's going to transform inside your heart and mind is you're going to have more of a sensitivity and empathy, a protection. The defenseless ones in our society, you're going to see that Jesus has a plan for you to be involved in their care because Jesus cares. So children are most often totally at the mercy of those who have power over them. And I'll just say this, that our society is changing, and I'm just going to say point blank that some of the decisions, some of the things that have changed in our society, uh, some of the openness and some of the strange, abhorrent perspectives that have been embraced, when children are not protected and allowed to just be children, when they're used as pawns and when they are not cared for, wh where does that stop? Right now there's discussions in certain legislative bodies about certain laws being changed and children not be, being protected because somebody else has a twisted view on how they view children sexually. We as the body of Christ have to stand up and be vanguards on behalf of the children. And I'm just telling you that any, anything within the church where there's abuse of children is wrong. I'm against it, and it needs to be dealt with. Because children are most often totally at the mercy of those who have power over them, and that should never be abused or perverted. So with that said, let our faith proclaim the example of our children. I just want to give you a few shots of children just to remind you the precious ones that we have the privilege of um, being around, participating with. God has blessed us immensely in our church family. This is just a smattering. We're not going to cover everybody. I just want you to think about the, the example of the children. all different ages, children and youth. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, I just want to reinforce, don't overlook the formative years. Birth to two, three, four. A lot of parents, grandparents make the mistake of thinking that, oh, that's cute, it's no big deal, and you're going to work on correcting that when they're four, five, and six. Woo-hoo, you in for a ride of your life. Those are not the correctable years. Those are the challenge years. 
Formation starts early on. Such examples to all of us. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you for the children. Thank you so much for their hearts. Love looking at their faces. Their grins, they smile from ear to ear through their eyes. Learning and growing. Not just here, but around the world. Different cultures, but kids are kids. So adorable. I want to give you four things. I want you to think about these. Our faith, what we see from children. Number one, children trust. There's a trust. I have regular, regular conversations with men and women, um, and I just confess to you that I'm working every year. I'm working throughout the year. I'm working week by week, day by day, to address my trust, is, trust issues. Um, a lot of things that happened in my life when I was young and throughout college, I didn't realize the depth of my trust issues until I was in my 40s and early 50s. Um, but my trust issues, I transfer to God. And um, me not being able to trust, that's faith. That's a faith struggle. My inability to trust on a human level, and I look at a child and they're so trusting, that transfers to my faith and my trust because faith, trust, and belief, those words are intertwined. But if you look at how trusting a child is, they trust you to provide and care for them. They trust that you're not going to hurt them. And so, in the same way, we need to trust that God has our best in mind, that He's trustworthy. That component is a little bit different aspect of our faith, but that builds faith, trust. Number two, children, there's a humility. There's a humility about children. Just asking. They need. Most of the children that I see, that as they grow and develop and they have an overinflated view of themselves, it's because everybody around them is telling, the, telling them that they're better than everybody else. And you're the most beautiful and you're the best and you're the cutest. And there's nobody that radiates on the planet like you. But in the same way, because they have that trust, they begin to believe that. But children are naturally, there's a humility about a child. If they want a goldfish, they say, can I have a goldfish? If they need to go to the bathroom, they say, I got to go, and you better be listening. There's just this raw, in-touch humility. They're not, trying to, they're not trying to be anybody that they're not. They're just who they are. And the, what, that changes as they get older because all this pressure that says to them, 
who you are is not enough. You need to be this way. But a child, there's a natural humility. And you know what? For us, there just needs to be not trying to make ourselves humble. That's the religiosity that I grew up with. No, humility is just, this is my package. This is who I am. This is who God is. And I need your help. I need your help, Father. I humble myself before you and I seek your face. I need you in every area. Number three, there's a receptivity here. And if you notice, this is a big deal. And it says that the kingdom of God, there's so much in these scriptures that I would love for us to look into. But Jesus says that children are in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine the number of children that are already in heaven? The number of children that have died prematurely, the number of children that have been taken. I believe that the streets of gold, that there are children walking there. I don't have any idea what they look like, but I believe that there are children. And my heart and my mind have been just, just exploded over this whole concept and this thought process. But he says that you've got to receive. You've got to be receptive just like a child. And so what I see here is just like when a child, and Mitch talked about our very first Wednesday night, there's this receptivity. And can I just tell you that the arrogance and the pride and the selfishness of my own life is what destroys and hurts my ability to receive. Because I want to be a great giver. It's amazing how many times that in my giving I can be arrogant and pompous. Now, I don't, I'm not going to display that on the outside. I know plenty of people that act like that. I'm, you, you, want to dis, you want to kind of hide that or cover it over. But when there's this ability to just receive openly, and what's amazing is when you receive purely, there's a humility and there's a trust in that because you're receiving what God has for you. You receive the kingdom of God. And just like what we started out when we said when we were talking about just like a beggar, there's no barter, there's no trade, there's no earning. We're not talking about wages here. We're talking about receptivity. Like we receive simply because the gift has been made available and the person is trustworthy and we, in humility, we receive and we need. It's not like this exchange, well, here's my list of good deeds, my good character, my good works. No, God, thank you. Children just receive. They trust and there's this receptivity. We need to be more like that. And number four, love. I've often said, people say, well, I don't know how to love. Look at a child. A child, a child can display the scripture in a powerful way because children have an, a, just this amazing ability to give and receive love. When they're loved, Brian was talking Wednesday night about being in the, the NICU and just touching a finger, just just the response of a baby just grabbing a finger and it changes their heart rate. It changes the way that they are simply because that affection, that love. And just like children, we need to learn from children. You don't, you don't have to know 40, 40 different verses. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. 
Love is a beautiful thing, and children exhibit love. The smile, just, you know what I love? It's so cool. Sometimes as parents and grandparents, we're the ones spending all this money. Kids love being together. Tupperware, plastic containers, cabinets, boxes. They're still huge hits for kids because you're spending time, and there's just this love. There's just this relational enjoyment from just being together. And more than ones are complicated and make it more than what it needs to be. But children are a great example of love. Now, Mark chapter 10, can we go back? Can we go back to Mark chapter um, 10? Um, let me see if I'm on the right verse. I think I might have messed that one up too. Yep. Sorry, guys. I'm on a roll. It's Mark chapter 9. Chris, this is totally on me. I guess I was, I was all over the place, and my mind wrote down the wrong ones. It's Mark chapter 9. I apologize. Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 37. So find those and follow along with me this morning. Well, that's number three. I'm on a roll. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, he called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken them up in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. There's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said about children being an example to faith. And I want to just read to you from Matthew, if you can just follow along with me, Matthew chapter 18. It's a similar thing, but I think that this will wrap things up this morning as we're allowing our children to help our faith and be an example of our faith. Follow along with me in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And then he, go up, he goes on to talk about the reverse of that. And I wanted to close with these two verses. And I just wanted to remind you, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's by grace that we're saved, rescued, or redeemed. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Not of ourselves, our works, our good deeds. Because there's not going to be anything that we're going to boast about. 
And just like as we were talking earlier with the children, that humility, that trust, that, that love, those different aspects, that need, that if what we do is we complicate things. I have people that have regularly said to me, oh, Tim, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. And yet the people that we've been studying in the New Testament, there's this written record in the Old Testament and the New Testament of sinful people, struggling people like we all are, admitting their need and literally just reaching out, asking, no merit, no goodness, nothing on their own, Father, please forgive me for I have sinned. The thief on the cross right next to him is a classic example. You have one that was ridiculed and mocking him, and the other one who was saying, please remember me. I deserve what I'm getting. You don't. And what did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond to his request? Because he had that faith, that childlike faith. I don't have anything in my hands to bring to you. Please, no, oh, sorry, please help me. And Jesus responded. Jesus responded. And I want to just ask you to make that step of childlike faith this morning. Let these little children that are running around and, and just the purity, the humility, the receptivity of what they have. Will some of you this morning make a choice to simply receive the greatest gift ever made available through Jesus Christ. You don't bring anything to the table. None of us bring anything to the table. Billy Graham today, I believe that he's in heaven celebrating with the angels, and it's not anything that Billy Graham did while he was here. Billy Graham is not in heaven today because he was a great orator or because of the great meetings or because of the humility or because of his love for his family, his service, the way that he was financially because there was financial integrity. Those were the outcroppings or the outgrowth or the manifestations of that simple faith when Billy Graham came to God and said, I need you. Billy Graham had nothing to offer any more than the rest of us have anything to offer, but he received the grace of God and he was washed and cleansed and he spent his life proclaiming that same grace of God and he constantly in crusades all across the world said, simply believe. Come to him with your empty hands, your broken hearts, and trust Jesus to save you and transform you. That's a beautiful, simple message that I share again this morning. Let's remember and let's learn from the faith of a child because that is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And if we don't embrace that childlike faith, Jesus makes some bold statements here, then we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's no merit of our own. It's all what Christ has done. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the kingdom of heaven except through him. So let's pursue childlike faith. Now as we wrap up, I just want to mention one more time that next Sunday the 24th, we are going to be meeting at Lazy Creek Farm. 
and we're going to be having a drive-up outdoor service, and we're super excited about that. This Wednesday night, um, we are having our, we're going to be honoring our graduates, and we're also going to be having an interview with a young couple in our church family and talk about growing in faith and what that does uh, within your marriage and some of the transitions that they've gone through. So we're going to be having an interview this Wednesday night. Thank you for participating. Thank you for being a part of this. Hey, just like on Sunday mornings when we meet at Renback Barn, thank you for being patient with me. I don't know how in the world I wrote down. I had the right reference, but the wrong scripture back and forth. But hey, that's me. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing. And I just want to say thank you for those of you that have continued your tithes, your offerings, and your financial support. Um, things continue on. And if you're in a situation where um, you're, you're struggling, let us know so that we can pray for you and so that we can help. Um, but thank you for your faithfulness. That means the world to everything that we're doing. It's a privilege to partner and be a part of this family. And so you have a good week. And I hope that this example of childlike faith is a blessing to you all week long and for the rest of your life. See you.